This is Jill Ng, and you're listening to You Have What It Takes. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the lie, everyone will reject me. This is a lie a lot of kids believe because people have left their lives. There are a lot of behaviors that are associated with this lie, but what do these kids actually need? I'm going to give you some ideas, tell you about some things that we can say and do, what other people around you can do, and then some resources. Let's jump in. So line number five, we're cruising through these lies, you guys. This week is about everyone will reject me. Man, this one's a tricky one because it is so real to my kids. This lie is embedded in what they believe. Last year, my oldest son, who has a lot of trauma history, was moved into a group home. It was a really hard transition for us because we really love him and enjoy being around him, especially when he is stable and can communicate how he feels and is in what we call his safe brain. We had seen a lot of behaviors that were quite terrifying, but the lack of remorse and understanding for the seriousness of his actions led to him needing some more support and treatment. He had pushed us away quite a bit months prior, saying he wanted to move to a boarding school or to a camp after attending an awesome camp and having a really good time. This changed our dynamic a bit. But what's been really cool is over the last year or so, he has gone from pushing us away to checking in to see if we're still there. I was pushed away by him for years. While he's totally worth it and I would do it all over again because I really love him, it's really hard to have somebody that you love and that you're fighting for constantly push you away and act like your love is just not enough. But yesterday, the same son called me to ask me some questions about his medication and money that he thought he had somewhere the ease of which he trusted me felt so encouraging. He didn't berate me for something I had done. He needed me to be a voice for him. And I explained why he has night medication. The things that happen to him make it hard for him to fall asleep. And so if he's falling asleep quickly, that means that he's probably feeling really safe. One of his night meds is really helpful for him and keeps his brain thinking about things that he really wants to think about instead of leading him to make irrational choices or do things that just feel safe that aren't. So I said, we can't get rid of all of your night meds, but we could absolutely get your medication changed or or change the time. And so we were talking about all the different problems he was having. And I could just tell he felt so safe with me and he knew I wasn't going anywhere. He said, I knew there was a reason you gave me these night meds. I just didn't remember what they were. And to me, that just meant so much coming from a kid who is constantly pushing me away and constantly trying to test if I'm going to still be with him and love him. He knew my intentions were good. And to me, that's really all I need from him. I don't need to see him every week. I don't need to have him call me or 
contribute to my life in a way where I'm receiving something. My love for him is an outpouring. It is a result of God's love for me and my assuredness that he was brought to me by God because I was a unique person who would love him well. And when I owned that, it affected everything that I do, everything that I say. While he definitely made a lot of mistakes and he could probably list quite a few of them for you, he can't say that I didn't try or apologize or reconcile. And I'm proud of that. I'm actually working on a resource to talk about just those things because I believe that people are not their brokenness. They're not the hard things that have happened to them. They're defined by God. And when we live through that belief, we see the lies that they believe and we can disassociate them from the people. Not every day, trust me, it is really hard. But when we take a minute and say, these things happen to you, but they don't define you, and we can separate those two, everything changes. Not their behavior, not what's going to happen per se, but your heart. Aligning your heart with God's allows you to see your children in their brokenness, in their shame spirals, and embrace them. And so what does that look like with this lie of feeling rejected? The fact of this lie is that someone's rejected you. Oftentimes, kids that struggle with this lie had an adult that they really loved or that was biologically theirs that they were connected with leave them. While this could have happened with death, it's typically with neglect, abandonment, imprisonment, or intervention of services like foster care or adoption. As a result, kids that have been through these things tend to assume rejection to avoid hurt. They want to people please and be fake. We kind of talked about that in another episode when we were talking about kids kind of putting on a front so that other people would know that they're okay when they're not, so they would kind of create this space between them. They also push people away and pretend to have attachments to people that they don't have attachments with. They assume no one likes them, which it's more because of an assumption that they're not worth staying with. And what does it normally look like? Typically, it's flight. So we talked about the different triggers. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and emotional dysregulation. Flight is when you kind of take off. You want to get out of there. In this context, it's, I want to run away before you hurt me, physically running, being explosive in response to a fear of abandonment. The night before we adopted our son, he actually became physically aggressive towards me to try to get us to not adopt him. But then we walk into the courtroom and he's totally fine and says he wants to be adopted because he feels so loved. It's a catch-22 because the more they love you, the safer they feel pushing you away. The last behavior that we see in these kids is fake apathy. So a lot of people are apathetic towards a lot of things. But in this context, kids pretend like they are not bothered by things, that they're not afraid, sometimes because they're embarrassed or feel like it's not age-appropriate thing to be afraid of. That usually happens when you're a toddler. And so these kids feel embarrassed. They feel ashamed of the fact that they can't trust people and don't believe 
that people really care about them or want to be around them. So what do these kids need? Permanency. It may seem like I'm a hypocrite because I have two boys in residential treatment centers, but permanency doesn't mean that you are always with your kids. Eventually, most kids move out of the home. They become adults around 18, they might go to college, they might live with you longer, but they become independent adults at some point. When I moved out of the house, I went to college, I became my own person, but that didn't change my dynamic with my mom completely. We kind of had a more independent upbringing, so we were very like free range, if you will. We did our own thing, we managed our own schedules for the most part. My mom was really involved in driving us places and she left us with a lot of autonomy to do the things that we wanted to do. So I didn't question that my mom was going to be there on holidays and for my wedding and other things. I didn't worry about that. Kids that are moved over and over again or who have lost one or many people that they love worry about those things but don't necessarily feel like it's not obvious. It's not necessarily something that they feel like they need to communicate. So these kids need permanency and they need the language of permanency. I'm not going anywhere. I will see you blank. My younger son, his residential center, it's two hours away from our house and it's been really hard getting five or six hours straight where I can drive and be there with my son and then come home and be available to my other kids. All of our different responsibilities like soccer and baseball and my husband's job to juggle all these things and have those six hour chunks every couple days is really difficult. It's impossible. While we do see him every other week at least and try to get out there every week, it's really difficult. But every time we leave, my son always says, I'll see you in a week or two. And I say, yep, you know, I'll be here. I'll be here as soon as I can. I'll see you soon. We remind each other and he reminds himself that I'm not going to disappear. I'm not going to be out of his life. While I'm not his guardian right now, I'm still his mom. And that's permanency. I'm going to stay in his life. And like I said with my older son, he felt that truth. He knew that pushing us away for a couple months where he didn't want to do visitation was just part of him needing a break. He knew we would be there. And he's shown that by calling me when he needs me. Sometimes I feel guilty that I am not more upset that my kids don't want to talk to me because they miss me and it's hard for them to see me know that they can't go home with me while I would love a little bit more <laughs> reciprocality I'm not expecting it and so while this could be very disappointing for some people for me it's okay leaving and coming back is a great way to show these kids that you're staying that you're permanent that you love them being honest being consistent and being predictable are all things that go hand in hand to help these kids navigate this lie. Being honest helps them because it shows them that even if you need a break, that you will come back. Something I used to say to my son when he would go to a friend's house when I would just not know how to keep him safe is I would say, I need a break from fighting with you. When you come back, we're going to blank. You're pushing me away and it's starting to make me feel really nervous for my safety. And so I'm going to give you a little space to figure it out with our friends who you know love you and who you can be honest with. And then when you're feeling more calm, then you can come home and we can figure it out. He didn't really like this because I always had a reason 
and always had an open door. And so he would try to show me that it wasn't going to happen. He even took money from them, lots and lots of money actually, to try to push them away as well. He tried to push boundaries with them. But right after my son tried to push our friends away, they actually went and picked him up from school that day. When I found the money, I told them and they went and picked him up from school and said, we love you. You can't push us away by taking our money. Our money means nothing compared to you. Predictability also helps because it shows them that you are consistent. When my sons would ask me a question, what would you do if I ate all the cookies? I would say, what do you think I would do? And they'd say, you'd probably say that we're not having cookies for dinner tonight and get out fruit instead. And I said, yeah, that's probably what I'll do. What will happen if I eat all the cake at the birthday party? Then there won't be birthday cake at the party for anybody else. Knowing the predictability of what I will do and that there is a natural consequence, but that I'm not going to get all hot and bothered. Well, sometimes I did because there was a safety concern or I could see where this was going and the the lie that he was believing. But usually when they just believe that you're going to reject them, you just saying that there's not a way that they could get rid of you is a great way to show them you're not going anywhere and that they're safe in, in your relationship. Another way you can show these kids that they're important to you and that you value the lie that they're believing is apologizing, admitting your mistakes and failures, and explaining to them the difference between safe failure and unsafe failure. So for example, one time my son was having a huge fit and I was trying to protect him. I like was hugging him really tight and he goes, I knew you were going to squeeze me one day. And I said, are you hurt? And he didn't answer. I released immediately, but I stayed safe there. And I said, I would never hurt you intentionally. I thought a tight hug was what you needed. If that hurt, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to hurt you. So when a crisis stabilizer would arrive right after that happened, I would say out loud, I gave my son a big hug earlier and he said it was hurting him. Can you check in and make sure that he's okay? I'm worried that I accidentally hurt him when I was trying to keep him safe. Telling the worker and apologizing and being transparent about what had gone down showed my son that I have nothing to hide. While I make mistakes, they're safe mistakes. And showing him that I'm not going to be a person that will hurt him and have him taken away from me is something he really needed because other people had abused him. So he was constantly trying to push me to reject him. But my transparency, my honesty showed him that those are the boundaries I'm not going to cross. Another way we can show these kids that they're important to us is by providing things for them when we're apart. So check-ins or physical reminders that cue to them that they're valuable. Because my sons are away, I often make sure that they have something that reminds them of me because they're both very destructive. When they ruin something that I gave them, I don't want them to feel like I'm upset about that because sometimes when we're sad, like anger comes out, right? And one day I was actually visiting one of my sons and he was just throwing away all the things I'd given him. And so next time I talked to him on the phone, I said, hey, did, do you have anything in your room that reminds you that I love you? And when I check in with that, my sons can explain the things that they have that remind them of me and remind them that I love them every time they see them. My thoughtfulness in this helps my sons see that them knowing I love them and that being a parent to them is important to me and allows them to feel safe. I'm not going anywhere. 
something really important to do with these kids is ensure that you have quality time with them regularly. We like to do games a lot because it's not requiring much reciprocality from our children. They can participate in the game. We can focus on the game. And a lot of times they talk about other things. Sometimes we'll also go on walks. We'll do something with them, um, read a book to them out loud, engage with them and talk with them about something exciting that happened so that when they feel like you don't care about them, there's obvious evidence that you do. Providing them with printed things that you've written for them is also really helpful so that they have something written down that they can reread, especially when they're able to read. We've actually laminated things to show our kids that we're not going anywhere. We want to be around them. We want to stay in their lives. Talking about the future also helps them. Saying, when you grow up, when you're an adult, I can't wait to blank. I can't wait to do these things. I kind of call it dreaming together. But I don't care what my kids' lives look like. I say, I wonder if you're going to be a dad someday. Is that something you want to do? And if you decide to be a dad, I can't wait to help you with that. And if you don't decide not to do that, I can't wait to go on random trips with you. I can't wait to see what kind of job you're going to have. Do you think I'll visit you at work? I can't wait for that. Giving my kids these examples of times I'll see them in the future shows them that a relationship is long-term. It's kind of like when you're in a dating relationship and you're talking about having kids or what you're going to do in 10 years together. It shows that you view the relationship to be more permanent. Planning a future together shows them that you're not going anywhere, that they matter to you, and that you're in it for the long haul, even when things get hard. So you might be wondering, what is the thing that parents really need to say? If there's one thing that we need to say to them, it's this. Being in your life is a priority to me. While our words are very important in this category, our actions speak volumes. Showing our kids that they're important to us, that we're not going anywhere, being in their lives is a priority to you, allows them to see that you are not going to change. This emulates the way that we can view God, that we can see that he does not change. Our God is a stable God, one who's unconditional, omnipresent, which means always present. He's all-knowing. He is an incredible God that does not change over time. He has been the same and will remain the same. His love is constant. His love is constantly gracious, constantly forgiving, constantly intentional. And when we show our kids this consistency in us, it reflects his consistency so that when they read about him and they understand this God who, who loves his people, and is consistently pursuing them, that that will remind them of your love. And while we make mistakes and God doesn't, reminding them of that truth and that he is way more trustworthy than you and that when you fail and you make mistakes, that you rely on God and his love. Those kinds of things show them that this world can be a safe place. While I was mentioning what I think the kids need. I did mention a couple of things that others can do for us. They can come around us and speak truth to our kids about the parents' efforts, about their trustworthiness, about their safety. Others can help by not making empty promises, not telling a kid when you'll come and see them. I'm hoping to see you next week is way different than I'll see you next Sunday at four o'clock. I'll be here. When other people break my kids' trust by not showing up or needing to cancel time and time again, especially workers, who in my kids' heads 
are very closely associated with my love because I'm the one who involved them in our lives. Empty promises or going back on what they say is really detrimental. So making vague promises, saying, I will see you again, I can't wait, and then following up with actually seeing them is super important. So when you don't keep up your end of the deal or you do make a mistake, apologizing and making it right helps them understand that there are good and valid reasons to cancel things. And there are reasons that people break their promises that aren't intentional. Learning the difference between a safe broken trust and an unsafe broken trust is vital for our kids to learn, not only from us, but from others. So those are the ways that you can come alongside these families and my family, feel free, because this is what our kids need. They need this village of people that come around them, see that their parents are going to stay with them and advocate for that. We've had a therapist in the past who, right when we met our kids, due to their frequency of moving, wouldn't call me mom because this therapist was sure I wasn't going to stay in his life. My frustration with that was that I had told her I was going to stay and she wasn't sure. I know my stubbornness and I know my awareness of what this kid needed and how bad it was going to be and and we signed up for that. But I wish she would have checked. I wish she would have asked more questions. I wish she would have believed me. It did take me saying, you're sending messages to my kid in your body language, in your lack of calling me mom, in your lack of saying that we're going to be together forever is making him nervous and I need him to feel safe. And when she saw that he attacked me um, the night before our adoption and that I still went through with it, everything in her changed and things got so much better. And I saw my son be able to relax because this person who had been in his life before I was who was so worried, was no longer worried. That outside view that I would be there and that I was staying in his life and her comfort and security and knowing that really meant a lot to him. And so I try to offer that to others as I see my friends and their kids trying to love them well. I am going to read a book in our mindfulness moment today. I'm really into books right now, apparently. But I found this awesome book by a speaker I saw called Josh Ship, And Josh wrote this book about his experience in foster care, where he went from home to home. I really love this book because it talks about what kind of characteristics and what things that this family did to show him that they were real and that they were going to stay. And it wasn't that they did crazy things. It was about his understanding of their unconditional love and their stability in their love for him. And so I'm, I'm excited to read that to you. I've also created a resource for you called Staying. It is a PDF on my website, and you'll just stick in your name and your email if you want to. Your email is optional. And then download the PDF. You can do that at the Evermore Collective slash resources. And then you can go in and look at all the different printables that are all free and available to you. But this one staying is to allow you to have all the resources and all the ideas of things that you can do to show a child that you're going to stay in their life when they're afraid you're going to go away for vacation, long-term treatment, or if they need to stay with someone else for a while. But I can't wait to see you on that mindfulness moment, and we'll talk again soon.
You Have What It Takes, a podcast, has been recorded by me, Jill Ng, of the Evermore Collective. Please check out our website for more podcast episodes, printables, or books referred to on the podcast, and for more resources at theevermorecollective.com. A special shout out to Anchor and Audacity for their free podcast recording and editing software. I'd also like to thank my friend Jake, who allowed me to use his sweet podcast setup to bring you these episodes. Thanks for taking the time to discuss loving others well and showing them their great value. Let's chat again soon. Until next time, remember that you do. You have what it takes. Thank you.